This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live from the heart of Manhattan Rockefeller Center at Newsstand Studios, joined via Skype for however long her Skype minutes last. Nastasia the Hammer Lopez, live from Paris. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? All right. How how is the uh, city city of lights? How is it over there? I I it's fine. I extended the trip thinking that it would be great, but I think I should have just no offense to no offense to France, but uh I think I should have just come back after Egypt. So, okay. That's how I'm feeling. Like, uh, <laughs> Egypt I mean, was amazing. I mean, Egypt you... was amazing. So I wish I had it stopped. You know what I mean? Okay. When was the, the last... food here is great. Yeah. When was like... the last time you were in Paris? Oh, God. I don't know. Like eight years or nine years ago. When did they start doing the flashing Eiffel Tower? Because I, I kind of like the flashing Eiffel Tower. Disco Tower? John probably. Pre 2000. It was leading up to the millennium. Oh, really? Yeah. Because the. the, the the disco Eiffel Tower, when it goes completely bonks, is awesome. Yeah, now it's like every hour yeah, at yeah. night that they do it. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty sick. Yeah. yeah. What neighborhood are you staying in? Saint Germain. Oh, well, that's maybe that's why you don't like it. You're basically staying. You're yeah. basically staying in like. No, no, it's literally no, 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 no. It's literally. Uh, you, we can talk about it when I come back. But like the the food and the way the people in Egypt, like the love that they had for it and everything. Because oh, the French hate food. You mean? Rural it, was. it was so amazing. Well, I mean, the Parisians no, obviously are it. not it's happy very, you're there, right? I mean, the Parisians obviously don't care that you're there, <laughs> right. right? I mean, they're not happy. They're not happy. No, right, right. I mean, you know. yeah, the Egyptians very happy. Let me, let me put it to you yeah. this way. If you got stepped yeah. on by a Everyone Parisian, they wouldn't, like, remove you from their shoe with their hand. They would just wipe you off on the corner. You know what I mean? That's what I'm trying to say. But you, you, know, you know what I remember yeah. about Paris is there's definitely, for me, a before and an after Paris. Like, and, and the before and after is when Paris got good at picking up dog poo. Because Parisians are the world's worst dog poo picker-uppers. They refuse to pick up after their dog. It's like, it's like goes back to some, like, it's the one little piece of, like, French aristocracy they want to hold on to. No, I will not pick up my dog's poo, right? And so sometime around, I don't know, probably also somewhere near the millennium, like, Paris was like, we're just going to spend a lot of money on these vacuums. We're going to suck up all this poop. And they have motorcycles with the vacuums on them, and somebody just goes around vacuuming up dog all day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But before that, dog poo, yeah. yeah. Dog poo, before yeah. that, the two poopiest places on earth, Florence, which is a city of poo. I have never seen as many varieties of poo in a one-hour time as I saw years ago in Florence. It was just like, it, it was almost like, you know, you go to, what is their museum, the Uffizi? You go to the Uffizi to see all the art, and then you just walk around the streets to see how many different varieties of poo you could find. Like, like, a, like a, I love Florence, too. And, and the Duomo. And the Duomo. And the Duomo. Yeah. yeah, you know what? Dax doesn't go anywhere with us because he says, Mom, Dad, all you want to do is museums and churches, museums and churches. And we were like, what about when we took it to Kyoto? And he was like, those are temples, different. Those are cool. <laughs> I'm like, all right, man. All right. Wow. All right. Oh, my God, Dave. Oh, my God. I have to say one thing. So okay. the Italians on the, on the Egyptian boat, they, um, we got off the boat. And they give you your tab at the end where they're like, you had this many bottles of wine, right? Because okay. that's separate from everything else. And so the Italians had 16 but the couple, they had 16 bottles of wine in a five-day span, right? Damn. And so they paid it. So then we're like, so we're like, oh, let's go to dinner offshore. Let's in uh, Aswan. Let's have dinner. So we sit down, and the husband says, I'm going to get a cocktail because I haven't had a drink all week. <laughs> <laughs> That's so Italian. That's the most Italian thing I've ever heard. I know. I know. I know. That's so Italian. Yeah. yeah. 
You go to lunch with an Italian, they take a whole bottle of wine down. You, 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 you eat dinner, they take a whole bottle of wine down. You want a cocktail? I'm not an alcoholic. What am I? I don't drink. You're like, what? <laughs> what? <Yeah. laughs> it's the weirdest yeah. culture, man. Food's crazy. Oh, man. Yeah, that's that's class. That's classic <laughs> yeah. Italian. I need to go back to Italy because that's that's yeah. some, that's some classic business right there. I know. Uh, are, uh, <laughs> you, you, have you have you been to the? Uh, you know, how I like to check out supermarkets. Have you gone to see what's up with the monoprix, the single price these days? Yeah. How, yeah. How was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Any, any good? good. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah. All kinds of fruits and vegetables. Yeah. And did you Cheese, you went to the? There, there used to be one right there by Saint Germain de Prés. There's still one right there. You have to go downstairs. Like you go in at the at yeah. the corner, go down. Yeah, yeah. I've been there many times, yeah. many times. Yeah. Uh, what's the worst country for supermarkets? I'm trying to think. Like just the worst country for supermarkets. The worst supermarkets I've ever been. Like Iceland. Oh my God! You know what? Iceland. Okay, that's because. I, I get what you're saying because you're like that's how much it costs that's how much it costs oh my god that's how much it costs and they only have the three things but they do have the good licorice there yeah yeah they do have the good licorice you know sure yeah sure yeah yeah uh, did you like did you uh, they also like I think for tourists because ninety percent of the people in that country at any given time are tourists except I guess not in the winter but like like they have like they're like here's your fermented shark I know you want it and I would have to say it's fine oh god it's fine fine. No, no, it's not. It's disgusting. It's fine. Look, if you can, I've said this many times, if you can accustom yourself to eating uh, ammoniated cheese, not oh, that you yeah. not that you like ammoniated <laughs> yeah. cheese, but I'm saying you've all had it. They, Someone brings it out, they're like, I love this cheese! And they give it to you, and it's like way over the hill, and it's like, it smells like a cleaning agent, and you're like, I'll eat it yeah. to be polite. So if you've done that before, then you can handle it. You know what I mean? That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying you enjoy yeah. it. And, and did I bring this up on the air or to a friend of mine? Uh, every, uh, by the way, congratulations to Harold. Uh, and I'm not going to say anything more. I'm not going to bust them out on the air. But I got to talk to you about it afterwards, Nastasia. Do you guys know? Oh, boy. Here's a fact. Do you guys know that if you're in, I didn't know this. It's an interesting fact. If you're in, for men too, not just women, if you're in a ceremonial kimono complete with the official underwear, there's no flap in that underwear. No flapping that underwear. Good, good to know. I did not know that. This is a new fact for me. And but what? Why does it matter? Well, Flap. because sometimes people need to use it, Stas. You need to use the restroom. I mean, not not everyone has, you know, <laughs> no, not everyone asked, has the I've ability. Guys, yeah. Not like, do you use the, actually use the flap? And they're like, no, I never use the flap. I just There's no way to remove. You have to remove. What I'm trying to get to is you have to completely disrobe to, 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 to get these ceremonial uh, chonies off. And you can't, like, get, like, anything out of it to, to do anything with. You know what I'm saying? That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Wait, were you in one? No. No, I, I you oh, know, okay. I, I learned it from someone who was at a wedding the other day, uh, wearing one okay. uh, for the first time. And, uh, and it's just like, I feel like you want to practice. I feel like if you're going to, for nine hours, like have to keep your undies on and not remove them, that like, you know, somebody better ought to tell you that like in advance, you want to practice working your way up to it. It's like learning to breathe at the bottom, of, or not breathe, learning to not breathe at the bottom of a pool, right? You got to work your way up. Yep. Like... <laughs> My fear of public restrooms can keep me from using the restroom in an airplane for a long time. 
You know what I mean? As I get older, I'm carrying a little bit mm. less. I'll use a restroom in an airplane. But I've been on the flight many times from Newark, New Jersey to Hong Kong without using the restroom. Because I'm like, no, no. The power move is to use it right when you get on the plane. Get that economy plus. Get on the airplane right away. Zip back. Use it once. Sit down. Like, buckle yourself in and, you know, get ready for the ride. That's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway. Sure. Stas, Stas will use it a lot, but hates it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah. know of a worse feeling than when you're in an airplane bathroom and the turbulence hits. Yes. And you're like, oh, first of all. Oh, man. <laughs> first of all, you hear the boom, and you're like, oh, man. Yeah. Like, if you're lucky... You're just doing the number one, but even with the number one, you're like, I'm going to paint this bathroom. Oh. I'm about to paint this bathroom. Yeah. Not because I want to. Trying to wedge yeah. yourself up against the ceiling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the worst. <laughs> that's the worst. That's like, you know, like, uh, you know, in the, in the, in the, they try to make a romantic thing out of an airplane bathroom in the TVs and the movies and stuff. I'm like, wh what? No. Yeah. Nothing yeah. on earth could be less sexy than yeah. an airplane bathroom. Yeah. In my, in my opinion. I have to. Yeah. People are like, first of all, who flies at 5,280 feet? Mile High Club is the dumbest name of any club. It's like everyone in Denver. <laughs> everyone in Denver is a member of the Mile High Club. That's ah, stupid. Anyway, uh, yeah. yeah, it's dumb. And uh, Jackie Molecules, you're back in, uh, you're back in the uh, great state of California. I am. Yeah, yep. in Los Angeles. I saw a TV program uh, with, the, with the Los Angeles on it, and it had the same view that I love from a different TV show in Los Angeles. I was pining for it, for that, for that Hills view. I love the sparkly look of uh, Los Angeles from the Hills. Like all the little colored lights, yeah. all the stuff moving around, like spreading out, a little bit of haze up in that piece. Don't fix all your pollution, Jack. Just a little bit of it. Just fix a little bit of pollution so it's not dangerous no, no. for your lungs. Keep a little bit because it sparkles. It sparkles in the night. You know what I'm saying? It's romantic. Yo, I remember in the, in the 70s and 80s when I would fly in there to visit my grandparents in San Bernardino. And back then, it was like a constant, the pollution was so thick, it was like a dust storm. It was like it was like so thick, it, like you could see the air. It was like uh, go watch Night of the Comet. Stas, you've seen Night of the Comet, right? No, I haven't. So the idea is is that it's a zombie no. apocalypse in L.A. in the in the in the eighties, and that's got some prime eighties style L.A. pollution action in well, it. Well, don't well don't they like like hold up in a in a movie theater? Anyone who is underground uh, survives, and then they have to come out and fight. You know what I mean? Anyway, uh, and what's up with what's up with you, Joe? How you doing? Got Joe Hazen rocking the panels up here in New York. I'm doing well. How about you? you you're looking really fresh in that orange shirt. Oh, I gotta go orange. You know what? I used to have this orange. rule. I used to have this rule. I don't follow it anymore. But in college, I came up with this: the more tired I am, the brighter a color I will wear. This way, no one will know. No one will know. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. I, like, I like that. Yeah. Uh, I also had another rule: a, uh, a shower is worth two hours of sleep. But you can't pull a full eight with showers. You can go from four hours of sleep to eight hours of sleep by taking a couple showers during the day. But you can't make it. You can't completely give up sleep just by showering and drinking coffee. You never had the micro shower to wake yourself up. I mean, I do that in the morning. No, no. But you've never been like, oh my god, I'm so tired. Either I go to sleep right now, or I'm going to take a shower and then I can work more. He's never done that. 
Minute did that over the weekend when I did the pig roast. No. There you go. Through the night, yeah. Well, speaking of why I haven't introduced you yet, we're about to talk yeah. about John. Get this. He buys what I like to call an in-betweener pig. So an in-betweener pig is anything that's larger than a suckling pig, but smaller than about 200 pounds uh, or like 220 live weight or something like this. So how big was your pig? Uh, 90 pounds. In-betweener Rest, pig. Yeah, in-betweener. Straight in-betweener pig. Now, how much flesh did it put on its body? Because a suckling pig is basically like a sack of bones with some, you know, succulent delicious yeah. meat on it, but it's a lot of bones. So how, how fleshed out was the meat on, on a 90-pound pig? Not as much as I was expecting. Pretty thin layer, like, around the torso, and the hams were big, but I don't know, not huge. Like, we didn't have any leftovers, and we had about 70 people there. Yeah, yeah, well, what the pig wants to do with its life, if you didn't kill it, right, is build up its bone mass yeah. first, and then, and then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. then you know, yeah. build out. Uh, okay, so now let's talk about the, the the technique. Your mom rented a a, a pit, right? A rotisserie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now let's talk about this. Let's talk, as Jack yeah. Nicholson said in The Shining. What is uh, what happened with this rotisserie unit? Well, it was already a nightmare from the get go because it didn't have a, a lid on it, so everything was going to take a lot longer. Or an infinity work. of wood. Yeah, a lot, a lot of charcoal. Uh, oh, you used to, coal. Yeah. You look man. I started off with wood at the beginning. I right. get some of that smoke, but then yeah, coals for the rest. Um, how many how many pounds of coal did you go through? Used eight bags that I think were each like 20 pounds. Oh, not that much. I thought you were going to use like Essex steam train no, yeah, quantities. Yeah, no, of, no, not, okay. not that huge, but still like a, a lot, you know, the really big bags. Um, you ever cook with anthracite like the way that some of the coal oven people do? No. Like, me neither. I wonder what that's like. Yeah, I don't know. I've never even lit a piece of anthracite. Coal. Yeah, I don't think I have either. I've been hit in the face with it on the Essex steam train, but oh, I've nice. never <laughs> used it myself. Uh... You ever have uh, your parents give you the lump of anthracite coal as a joke for the Christmas? No. Nope. Uh, I yeah. did many times. Yeah, no, my Maybe. parents loved me. Yeah, uh, yeah. No, not me so much. <laughs> uh, all right, so go ahead with the rotisserie. Um, but really the worst thing about this rotisserie, apart from not having a lid, was the terrible motor on it so that when you know the pig would do the rotation, get to the top, as soon as it would kind of like go over that, it would lurch oh. down. Oh my god, can I make the noise for you? Yep. I hate it's, it's so, so triggering. Annoying. And then it's just it causes so many problems towards the end of the yeah, cooking yeah. process. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well the problems start early, you just don't notice them until later. Yeah. Yeah. What do you like better? The fact that it tears the meat up because it like keeps like hitting itself too hard? Yeah. Do you like that? Which actually makes the, the whole slip and fall even worse every time it goes around? Yep. Or do you like the underdone, overdone part where it one piece travels past the fire too fast and so it doesn't get the same brown and the other piece stays there too long? Which part do you like better? That those both definitely happened. I'd rather the latter because dealing with the meat falling apart and everything was such a nightmare to yeah. deal with. Listen, listen. Uh, I don't know because I haven't had an outdoor uh, rotisserie in a long time, right? So, And the last time I had an outdoor space, I wasn't doing rotisserie. I was doing either tandoor or cowboy grilling. Mm -hmm. Hashtag vertical grilling. Hashtag horizontal grilling. Uh, and I didn't do things that needed to cook for long enough to do rotisserie. I built everything around cooking very, very quickly, right? Uh, like if I was going to cook a pig on that cowboy, that sucker would be spread out like it was, uh, you know, a flying pig. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, you, ever, you know what I've never done? I've never done the diagonal like uh, like South American style where you put it on the diagonal, yeah. where you flatten it and put it on the diagonal like and you move it around. I want to try that yeah. sometime. Yeah, yeah, right? It'd be fun, no? Yeah, no, it would be interesting, Yeah. yeah. I wonder, not too comp you could make that at New Lab. 
I'll just. I can make it, but where am I going to yeah. go out on, on like Clinton and Grand Street in the Lower East Side? Can you imagine? Yeah. Can you imagine <laughs> in the Lower East Side? Like where I live, pe- like, I'm outside and be like, that's an awful lot of wood. What are you doing with all that wood? You're like, it's my wood. Why don't you shut up? Yeah. Get out of here. You know what I mean? Like people are so nosy where I live. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like everyone is in, in everyone else's business because it's all co-ops. Yeah. So they all think they have a reason to be in your business. People, so like I'll pick up after the dog and they're like, you're not like some of them. I'm like, some of who? Some of who? Some of those dog people who don't pick up after the dog, get away from me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Just leave me alone. Just leave me alone. Don't talk to me. <laughs> anyway, so uh, it is a commonly known fact that 99.9% of all rotisserie motors aren't just not good. They suck. Yeah. They're a- they actively hurt the food, right? And it's because the gear motors have too much backlash. They're not using uh, the right kind of gear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if you used a gear... So, so what you're experiencing there is the gear backlash. Now, yeah. there are motors that there are zero backlash or very low backlash motors, and the problem is they're like twenty percent more expensive. Yeah, but get that twenty percent more expensive. You would pay forty percent more to have a motor that didn't act that way, and yet they're only twenty percent more expensive. Yeah, I mean, the, I had to take the pig off the spit in the morning. You know, hack the like waste off with my cleaver, you know, put that part in the oven then cause they was just completely falling off and was going to not cook through. Um, so it turned into a horror show. Yeah. Yeah. How is the meat though? Good. Yeah. Yeah. Could yeah. have cooked a little longer, but good enough. Well, when yeah. I was in uh, grad school, when we built, uh, the, uh, that's the second to last time I built a rotisserie. Uh, I stole a, well, Mark McNamara, my studio mate and I, you know, we did the whole thing. We cut 55-gallon barrels in half, burned them out to get rid of all the toxins. You know, Mark yep. and I inhaled those toxins nice. on the roof, burned them out, welded the stuff in, stole some stole some expanded metal, used it as the grates, reinforced the whole nine. And then we stole um, – you can buy them surplus. They're really good. A, a Bodine brand DC gear motor. They're like – like they used to use them in the, uh, in the chemical and nuclear engineering lab that was downstairs in our building. Okay. And they were these like – tough as nails, little uh, DC motors, and zero backlash. And we just built the rotisserie with that, and we spun that pig all day, no problems. If that pig doesn't undergo any slap-a-dap-a-doo with gear backlash, it just... It makes a world of difference. I believe it. I believe it. It Rotisserie, Rotisserie designers out there, somebody... Make a decent motor. I'm sure somebody makes a decent motor, but yeah. I don't think the average person when they're shopping for rotisserie knows yeah. they're like how bad this is going to be. But also, like as the rental company, like why wouldn't you just get the good stuff? Because it, because you're going to rent from them once, and you know what? If you did it, you would rent it again. Yeah, it's the same reason why restaurants in Times Square suck. Because you're in Times Square, you're going to eat at that restaurant. Yeah. They don't care. There's yeah. no incentive for them to be better. Not only that, as you know, when we're building stuff at our factories, right, if not everyone is doing it, it's impossible to get someone to do it for you. Yeah. You're like, I want to use a good motor. Why? No one else uses a good motor. Yeah. You don't need it. You're like, you're wrong. Like, yeah. I'm a cook. You're not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, make it right. But no one does. Yeah. I'll also add that my hog... I was less than impressed with uh, what the farmer did. I mean, it was still pretty dirty. Had to shave a lot. There were just like still dirt between the the oh, toes and everything. That's old school, though. You didn't appreciate that. I did, did you appreciate have to it. Singe it. Did you torch singe the I did, hair? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, did um, you scrape? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sweet. Um, yeah, not like completely, terrible. but yeah, it smelled terrible. But then also, like he didn't 
bleed it as well as I think he could have. So like as it was cooking, you know, blood starts coming out of like all the holes and just like as it's turning, it just like creates these like black ring marks around the head. Mm, num num. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Hey, Nastasia. Uh, she's gone. Already? Skype, Skype credits. Inspired. Oh my god. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> so stupid. Like Oh my god! All right, <laughs> unbelievable. All right, but she talks so much in the intro; she had to get it all out. Well, you know that it's those French Skype credits. Nastasia has this thing. She's like, she's like, the show is one hour long. I'm gonna buy one hour. She did that last week and fell off, and she did that this week and fell off. It's not like last week it was quicker. Last week it was like nine minutes. Yeah, this but, time it lasted fourteen. Yeah, but 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 the thing is, like, I'm sure. <laughs> Like, A, the show would pay her to do that, to, to buy the extra time, right? One, right? And two, it's better to be on a lower quality audio and just use the regular internet connection than it is to have, a, like, a semi-high quality audio for 13 seconds and then drop. That's all. Anyways. Uh, anyways. Anyways. So I have some information for people before we get to uh, so questions because people, people have been uh, asking me some questions. Ready? Ready. Beans. Oh, beans. Beans questions. Now, I'm not willing to give all of my bean stuff out because I haven't tested all of my bean stuff yet, but I'm going to give you some information that might be useful in your life. You ready for this? So, first information I want you to get into, into your head. How many, how many of you out there, you can't answer me because you're not, oh, by the way, if you're listening on Patreon, we should do this now, right? If you're listening mm-hmm. on Patreon, uh, you can call your questions in to 917-410-1507. That's 917-410-1507. If uh, you don't know what we're talking about, Patreon or want to join, John, tell them what to do. Go check out patreon.com slash cookingissues, and you can see all the great membership levels. You get a bunch of cool perks. You get access to the Discord, where we are just like constantly having great uh, discussions about things on the show and things beyond the show. If you like the show, you'll love the Discord. Um, yeah, book discounts at Kitchen Arts and Letters and just like really a whole bunch of other great stuff. So check us out. Here's the three different kinds of people who might hear this. Ready? Europeans who don't know how – no, not Europeans. That's terrible to me. People anywhere not here. Anywhere <laughs> not here. Everywhere. Not here. Right? <laughs> they uh, – I just think of it as metric as French. Sorry. I just – you know what I mean? <laughs> my, my bad because they, they voiced it on us. Anyway, so – Metric people who won't know how to convert into what I'll now call American units, right? Americans who don't know how to call, uh, who, who convert into metric units, right? And then that small subset of people who have in their heads the instantly the conversion between like inches and centimeters, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to assume that you're that last group, John. So don't shout it out. I want you guys to, because this is going to be important. You got to remember this. It's going to help you in cooking, right? Right? Okay. So... Get in your head how many centimeters are there in, in, in an inch. Now, I'm not going to tell you. I want you to think about it first. One, two, three. Ready? I'm going to tell you. Ready? 2.54. Right? So anytime you're converting between, it's 2.54. Right? Uh, now, here's another reason to remember the number 2.54. When you are looking at uh, sodium on a label, when I try to figure out what a recipe should be like, and I'm, and I'm looking at commercially produced stuff, one of the things you want to know is the salt content of the food that you're looking at so you can get a target for where you are, right? But they don't actually write on the back of a can. This goes back to beans because I was researching like how much salt was in baked beans and whatnot, right? When you're looking at the back of the can, they don't tell you, what they tell you is milligrams of sodium, right? You with me now? Okay. So, Milligrams is easy, right? Just, you know, if it's 1,000 milligrams, that's one gram. I'm not going to talk about that. 
But to figure out how much salt that is, which is what you use in the kitchen, multiply by 2.54. Oh. It's the same. I mean, there's close a couple enough. of decimal yeah, points yeah, afterwards, yeah. but it's close enough. So if you, if you, if you read the number of milligrams of, of sodium and you calculate how much like salt you know, there is per 100 grams or per whatever, 2.54. Very mm. easy to remember if you already know centimeters to inches, yeah. right? And so I did this a lot, and the first thing I tried to figure out as many of you might know, when, when you're soaking beans, by the way, soaking beans, uh, there's a lot of arguments on whether you should soak beans or you should not soak beans. Um, I'm going to say a lot depends exactly on the kind of bean you're cooking, right? You can cook it without soaking. You can cook it with soaking. Some people say it tastes better if you don't soak it, but what's happening there is people are throwing away the soak water, Right. And then because there are a lot of things in the bean that are water soluble, even when the bean is not cooked yet. Right. Uh, And the good news about throwing that the bad news about throwing that stuff away is you throw away some flavor. If you if you you should just make a habit of tasting bean soaking water. I've been tasting bean soaking water for the past month now and there is flavor. Most of what is leached out is actually sugar. So I think you could probably sugars. So I think and colors, right? Because a lot of that stuff's water soluble. So you could probably get a lot of the flavor back that's leached out honestly by just adding a little bit of sugar to non-sugared beans. And I think people who are doing things like baked beans, I doubt you would taste that much of a difference between soaked and pitched versus not. I have other solutions for this, but anyway, the reason to throw away the soaking water, frankly, is uh, if beans make you toot. If, if, if beans are a hardcore musical fruit for you, right, then uh, throwing away the bean water uh, helps. Don't let anyone tell you different. I've been reading all of the studies. I have some more stuff to get rid of the musicality, but because I've been testing beans for a lot, if you eat beans at least once a week, that also detoots them. If you make beans once, when you're buying canned beans, the way that they typically make those is they are soaked because they want to reduce the amount of energy they're using because they're making tons of beans. So cooking tons of beans for less time is definitely a win for them. They soak it, they pitch it, they blanch it, right? To, the reason you got to blanch the beans, if you think about this, people, if you're putting a bean in a can, right, you need to get it to basically its finished size before you put it in the can, and you don't want a lot of air coming out of the bean. So what you have to do is you blanch it to try to have it absorb a lot of water, but more importantly, get rid of the air. You then pack it into the can with the amount of water that you're going to want it to absorb. You cook it. It has to have enough water in the can or sauce in the can to cook it through accurately uh, and then also and this is important as it sits for a couple of weeks it'll absorb a little more water right as it as it's cooked so that's why the beans in the can aren't necessarily as as tooty as you know as wind producing as the beans you make from scratch because they're actually typically dumping a lot of the water that you would otherwise uh keep make sense yep all right now assuming you're not worried about that uh here are some interesting facts. I bought a bean pot. I bought an old school, like, northern bean pot, the ceramic ones. And I have to say, I like it a lot. The adva- main advantage of the bean pot, I'm not one of these people who believes that ceramics are, like, the be-all and end-all of cooking. But they are relatively uh, slow. Here's what I do. Ready? I soak the beans. By the way, guess. I, I did this with five or six different bean varieties. And within a couple of – within a couple point decimal points – what percentage weight do you think beans are when they're cooked versus – what multiplier would you use? Like if I have one unit of beans, how many units of cooked beans with, with all the liquid drained off them do you think you would want to shoot for? Because no one tells you this stuff, right? Yeah. Okay, so what do you think it is? Times three, times four. 
You would think that. It's about 2.3. Oh. It's about 2.3. But, and for years I tried to cook beans sous vide, right? For years. Uh, because I was like, you know, there's the famous Italian beans in the, in the fiasco in the bottle, right? Mm-hmm. And the idea of the beans in the bottle, which are delicious. You, remember, you ever had those where you shake them out of the bottle? You put no. the you put the beans you put the beans the water like if you're using alliums and like you know salt and like rosemary and you put it all into like a like a wine bottle you know like a fiasco like mm-hmm. a Chianti bottle right and then that just got that little neck to 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 vent out of yeah and you cook it for a long time and then when it's done you shake the beans out the advantage of these cooking either a bean pot covered or this you know bottle is that. You have to cook it with excess water. That's what my tests have shown. If you don't cook it with excess water, the beans just never taste good. They never have a lot. So what you want to do is cook the bean in excess water, bring it up to full hydration in excess water, and then slowly evaporate. The reason people's beans break up on them is because they're boiling them rather rapidly on the stove. You can cook a bean for nearly infinity. I haven't tested over seven, seven, eight hours yet, right? I will. But... uh, but that cooking, that long cooking, is a very slow evaporation covered in the oven, right, or in the Chianti bottle, or on a stove in a pressure cooker that's sealed but not at pressure, right, or any one of those waterless cookings where your steam evaporation is very low, right? In those kind of long cooking applications with very little actual churning inside, you're not drying out the beans at the top much. It's not very violent, and you're not breaking the beans up. But you need to have them cook through in excess water. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So you're looking for a final ratio of about 2.3, right? And you want some extra water. So what you need to do is figure out how much extra water you want in your beans. I'm shooting for a finished salt content uh, of about uh, 0.875%, okay? So – That's your bacon, your ham if you use it, your salt, whatever salty stuff you're using. So what I do is I figure out my non-beans and like – so in a pound of beans is 464 grams. You with me? Yeah. Okay. And I add somewhere between like like 400 to 700 grams of what I like to call non-bean material. Right. So non-bean material is if you're making baked beans, molasses. Right. Or – uh, mustard powder, people, do not add acid to beans before they're cooked or they won't cook right, right? Um, onions, garlic, herbs. And I just calculate those as non-bean and I just pretend like nothing happened. Bacon, ham, whatever. I pretend that none of those things matter. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, like, I'm adding between 400 and 700 grams of non-bean. You have to calculate the salt content of pork if you're adding it, right? Right. And then... I figure that by the end of it, uh, I want to have about two kilos of product left over. So for every pound, I want about two. That's that's what I like to call a medium bean liquor situation. They're not dry, but they're not soup, right? Mm -hmm. So that's for like a good baked bean situation. So figure that whatever you're cooking should end up being about two kilos if you're following my recipe of about 400 to 700 grams of non-bean product in it, right? Um, so what that means is, is that after they soak, right, uh, sorry, I multiply, the, I multiply uh, the beans by uh, 2.3. You multiply by 1.3 to figure out how much extra water to add, right, because it itself is one, right? Oh, uh, right, okay. Then add about an extra 850 mils of water, right? That's what I soak it in, and then I don't throw it away, the water, because I have a way to deal with that, which I can talk about later once I've tested it. And then I cook it 
on the stove until they're almost done, right? Until they're almost done. Okay. Then I put it into my bean pot, my preheated bean pot, into your fiasco. Uh, you close the lid on the pressure cooker, but don't let it go. And then stop or slow your evaporation for a long time, and then you can let them ride for as long as you want until they're mm. evaporated to the place that you want them. Does this make sense? Yes. Okay. So that's – people have been asking me about the beans. That's the beans. <laughs> Well, interesting thing about Beans, Dave, is do you know who our guest is next week? Oh, it's next week is next the Beans week. guest? All right. All right. So we have uh, from we have uh, uh, Steve from Rancho Gordo Beans coming on uh, next week. And he is interesting in that he, he basically just, he's like, just cook, the, just cook the beans until they're done. He doesn't want to get into any controversy. So we'll see if we can get him to weigh in. Uh, you can also ask him questions for next week about nixtamalization. He was the one, although I have never met him, uh, who back when I was doing my nixtamalization um, tests in whatever it was way, way back in the day, 12, whatever years ago, 15, you know, 13 years ago, was like, um, yeah, he had a nixtamatic. He was the early U.S. owner of uh, nixtamatic. So we'll talk to him about nixtamalization, about cooking in ceramics. He is a ceramophile, uh, clayophile. What? Ceramophile? Ceramophile? Is that a word? No. You made that up. I did, but it sounds right. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, I'll, take it. It. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. Yeah, and an all-around uh, lover of uh, the bean products. Yeah. Yeah. He has a book. I wonder whether we're going to put it on sale. At the, not on sale, but for the uh, Kitchen Arts and Letters. That's a good question. I will ask Matt. Yeah. I don't know whether they've re-upped it. That book came out maybe 10, ten years ago, eight years ago. When did that book come out? Let's... I have a copy somewhere. But I haven't read it in a while. I guess I should read it. Uh, we're just having him on. Also, uh, who else have we confirmed for upcoming guests? Uh, Joy of Cooking folks are going to be uh, June 14th. Ooh, hey, people. I need you to get your questions ready for those guys. So John Becker and Megan Scott are the current team who's running the uh, the Joy of Cooking. But this has been a family business. Sometimes rested away from them by publishers. Sometimes and sometimes rested back. It's I mean it's never fully rested away from. It's never fully taken away from uh, the family. But it's been a family cookbook since 1931. I want to say in the early 30s. That's wild. It's amazing. It's gone through like so many different uh, cycles. But uh, you know what? It's always remained. Relevant. Yeah. Relevant. Right. And the the currently retired generation of the of the family, uh, Ethan Becker, also like one of the foremost designers of survival knives, which it's it's like that's a crazy thing. Doesn't make kitchen knives, the guy. Yep. Survival knives. Yeah, we were looking at them this morning. Yeah. Times, yeah. Yeah. Apparently, if you want like an all around survival knife in the Hundred, hundred and like twenty dollar range. What was it the BK two? Is that the one we were I think looking so, at? Yeah, sold by sold through K Bar. Yeah, but he's been with K Bar for a long time. Yeah. So like he, from what I can gather, he like um, he got into the knife uh, stick. He, from what I can gather, okay, you familiar with Kukri's? No. So Kukri's are those knives that are like they're 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 shaped kind of like a like a like like a little bit like a hook there, like a big bill on the end. So it's like, imagine if you took a machete and bent it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's like a, like a kukri, and I think it's supposed to give you a good angle when you're hacking down through a uh, brush or people's heads and whatnot, right? Nice. And so he sent some of these to, like, with his buddies to Vietnam, and then, like, amazingly, like, was like, so how did the knives work? 
And they were like, well, you could change this, you could change this, you could change that. And so he got into like designing, and he's an outdoors person, so he got into designing knives that were useful in a way that like we think that we look at kitchen problems yeah. and work on those things. Oh, speaking, people have been asking, uh, what do I think of the Anova vacuum? Uh, chamber vac. Chamber vac. We're, we're getting one. We'll review it for you coming yep. up soon. Um, Wiley asked me about this new thing, sous vide. Have you heard about this? No. I, I don't have one of those, so I can't review that. Sorry. If there's anything else, let, let, me, let me know. Yep. What, else, what else we got coming up? Uh, Wiley is coming up as well. Still working on a date with him. Um, but now that other dates are firmed up, that we'll get going with that. We're going to have Garrett uh, call in in two weeks. Garrett to, Richard, yeah. Yep, to talk about uh Well, we had this machines. question that's been sitting around yep. forever. Uh, from, you know, free, I got to figure out who it is. But who wants to know more things to do with their Hamilton Beach milkshake maker? And I was like, I've never owned one. Yeah. Why don't we get Garrett? Yeah. Garrett knows how to use those things. That's true. And he doesn't make milkshakes with them. That's very true, too. Yeah. 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 That'll be good. Now I have that freaking milkshake song going in my head. Uh, All right. So, uh, Maxiplon writes in, I'm going to have my kitchen remodel starting in a couple of weeks. Uh, What are some minimal prep, minimal cleanup things I can cook so I don't have to eat out every single night? Uh, I'll have an induction hot plate, instant pot, uh, and hot water kettle. Uh, is this the dump meal's time to shine? Well, okay. There's so many things. Uh, what do I, you know, I actually, the beans thing I was just telling you about, like a, like a long baked bean on an induction, if your induction has good low temperature or you have an instant pot and you can let it ride for a long time so it's just barely evaporating, make yourself a good pot of baked beans Get some nice bread to eat that with. Or even I eat the leftovers on rice with like crumbled up, I have to say, French's fried onions. If you don't want to. Very good. Yeah. If you don't want to fry your own onions. And let's be honest, who the hell wants to fry their own onions? You want to fry your own onions? No. I'm I'm not saying that you can't fry your own onions. You know what the problem with them is? Not gluten free. A lot of flour on them. So like if you, if you, if that's a problem, you know. Yeah. But like on baked beans. Come on, man. I mean, so baked beans, you typically don't... By the way, I don't add sugar and molasses to my baked beans. I forgot to mention this. I use about 120 um, grams... 120? 125 grams of Crosby's molasses in my baked beans per pound or so, which is light for a baked bean. Most baked bean stuff is like, to me, a side dish. I want a baked bean that I could eat as the main dish. And when you add too much molasses and too much sugar to it, it just tastes like dessert or a side dish to me. It doesn't taste like a main dish. Yeah. See, I want a beans that I can eat it over rice. I can hack them in avocado, put some French fry, uh, French's fried onions on it, maybe even a little sour cream. I turn everything into sour cream, French's fried onions, lettuce. I basically will, I will taco bowl anything. You, you give me anything that is in goop format, and I will taco bowl it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because all of those fixings taste good. Like, like I'll do like uh, another good one is a. Uh, here's a weird one for you. One, one, one dish, right? Hack up a bunch of uh, peppers, right? Like so, red and red and green. Uh, sweat some onions first. Once the onions are sweated down, throw in some hacked up uh, green and green and red peppers, right? Uh, then after those sweat down, but not you know. You just don't want to burn it. Like, throw in your garlic, right? By the way, sweat them in butter. By the way, a preposterous amount of butter. While that stuff is, like, so stupid, the amount of butter you're going to use, right? Then uh, uh, get the cheap—see, I'm a big fan of cheap salt fish. Cheap salt fish. 
like it, for for holidays, you want the really good the the good bacala, the good yeah. salt fish, right? Because you're going to reconstitute it. You're gonna you're gonna let it soak for days. You're gonna keep changing the water, and you want these big pieces. And you're gonna serve it with the parsley and the oil and the and the and the lemon and the sliced onions, all that stuff, right? You're gonna do that, do it mm-hmm. up. But for this, get the cheap one, the one that comes in a little bag. You know what I mean? They're thin. Throw those things, rinse the extra salt off, throw them into a big pot of water, bring the water up to a simmer, uh, but don't boil it, and then dump the water, do it again, now it's ready to use, right? Hack that up small, right? While they're sweating the peppers, and you got the, and you got this fish stuff, and remember, butter. Don't, butter. don't stint on the butter, right? Then, boil and mash yams, real yams, not sweet potatoes, yams, the white ones. Yams, the tuber. You could do potatoes if you want, but the problem with potatoes is is they have a different texture. It'll still be delicious, but you've got to be careful when you're mixing it that it doesn't get gluey, right? So, like, you mash up the yams, then you throw that all together with the butter and the yams, and you, you, you stir that up, and that's your base glop. That's your base glop. Then, with the base glop, rice, taco bullet, rice. You need avocados with that son of a gun, hacked up tomatoes, lettuce, Lime. You need to squeeze lime on it. Lime, avocados, and I like sour cream. And I put, yeah, I put, you know, hot pepper all over mine because come on, it's me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anyway, that's a good one pot uh, thing that I make quite often. Um, if Nastasia was still on the phone, she would say pastas. Oh, uh, yeah, always pastas. Always pastas. Always pastas. Right? Yeah, pasta delicious. Pasta delicious. Also, like you didn't mention blender, but I'm a huge fan of no cook uh, blender based sauces and just using the residual heat from the pasta to heat up like a thicker blender based sauce, right? So, you know, there are many different blender based sauces, right? So, pesto is a blender based sauce. By the way, do you, when you make a pesto, do you, do you, do you make, do you actually use pignolis and all that? Not, re- I mean, no, not really. What do you use? Do you throw almonds in that sucker? Sometimes. I don't know. It depends what nuts I have around. Yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I guess I, I'll, yeah. I'm probably do that more by price when I'm at the market. Yeah. See what nut looks interesting and different. Yeah. Pignolis are always just too expensive. They are, right? Yeah. They're so dang expensive. They're so expensive. Yeah. You know what uh, I've been told by Harold McGee not to use is walnuts. Why? Uh, they oxidize. Well, again, I don't yeah, know, yeah, yeah. but basically uh, the tests he ran way back in the day, I believe his findings were that they uh, are the ones that caused the basil to oxidize the fastest. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So anyway, pe- pestos are good. Uh, a can of tomato paste, paste plus anchovies plus anything else is always good. Easy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, what else is a good like one pot uh, wonder, not a lot of mess? What else What else you got, John? What's a, what's a good... Uh, Anything? Breakfast for dinner, eggs, bacon, things like that, pancakes. I like that. Yeah, the, the, the trick with pancakes is just being able to mix them in one bowl and not have, like, make a mess with the yeah. bowl. And you can do it. Yeah. Right? I do it. You know, like, I, like I, can, I can have pancakes on the table basically instantly, you know what I mean, and without making, uh, you know, dirtying, dirtying a, lot of, uh, a lot of stuff. Yeah. I love the giant pancake, though. You know I make the giant pancake. I didn't know that. I have the Krampus. Oh, right, right, right. Yes, yes, yes. yes, And I make one pancake because I'm not about (laughs) sitting there flipping over all these silver dollars, sons of guns. It's just not my life. That's not how my life works. All right. So uh, I wouldn't dump meal it. Uh, Oh, by the way, if you have, uh, now is the time to do, oh, shoot, it's too hot. 
I don't know where you live, Maxoplun, but if I had gotten to you even a couple of weeks ago, you know what's a delicious one-pot sucker? You need a, to make rice separately. Well, it's two pots. You need a pan for risotto, and you need the pot asabuco. Mm, yeah. Asabuco is so delicious. It is. You know what else is delicious? Um, and it doesn't mess your kitchen up too much, except for the initial frying, right? So you can, you can um, if you want, you can brown the, the, the meat. You can use turkey, uh, cut up turkey legs. Get your butcher to cut up turkey legs if you can't afford the, uh, the asabuco, because asabuco is absurdly expensive. Yeah, it is. Make sure you tie it when you flour it. You can, um, you can do that in your pan on the induction so that you're not trying to, br- I hate browning in my, in my pots that I braise in, right? hate it. Yeah. I don't like making asabuco in wide things because I don't want it to evaporate too much. So a lot of times I'll I'll do my initial fry in the pan that I'm going to do the risotto in. Mm-hmm. Then I'll move them over to my pot uh, and I'll deglaze and then dump that into the pot, let that go because that's got to cook for a couple of hours anyway. Then I can scrub out the pan I did my initial fry in and then do the risotto in. It makes sense? Yep. Anyway. Uh, God, I made some turkey asabuco. If it wasn't for those damn tendons... I hate those tendons. Yeah. I hate the tendons. Turkey's good though. Turkey's delicious, yeah. You know what I've never done? I've never done uh I've never done uh chicken thigh uh in the style of asabuco. I mean, it doesn't look like asabuco, but you could tie them into birds. What 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 do they call those little things in French, those tied up volaille? They call them volaille, right? They're yeah. little like but they're well, usually birds of veal. It's usually you take like a veal cutlet, you roll it up into like like almost like a drumstick shape, and then you like braise it off, and they call them volaille, don't they? I don't know. I'm not sure. I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, I it's don't been know. a million years, but like I'm sure that would be good. Yeah. I also I make this makes a lot of smoke, so you probably don't want to do this, but like uh, uh, I do salting boca, another veal dish that I do with chicken, but I always do it with breast because I, you know I do the uh, breast pounded out, and then I was like, why don't I do this with chicken thighs? And the verdict was, and you know, you put the prosciutto on or speck, and with a sage, I put the sage underneath to do it. And if you're really doing it, you can meat glue the prosciutto with the sage to the meat so that you don't have to use toothpicks to keep the meat on, right? Uh, and then I was like, why don't I make this with, uh, with, with thigh meat instead of with breast? And I was like, oh, oh, it's because I'm stupid. That's why. <laughs> um, so do you think, do you think, I'm supposed to pronounce this Jameson, or am I supposed to pronounce it Jam Five On? I think it's Jameson. I think Jameson, yeah. But Jam Five On's also good. Yeah. Because now I've got like a Looney song in my head. Five mm. on it? Not familiar. You're not familiar with I Got Five On It? I don't think so. Have you been to California before? What? Two or three times, yeah. Two or three times? Maybe four. Yeah. Have you been to San Francisco? Twice. Twice. And you've never heard the song I've Got Five On It? I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Right, Jack? Sorry to disappoint everybody. <laughs> yeah. I mean, does that, make, does that make any sense at all? Oh, maybe if I heard it, but we can do that. I've got five, five on it. What's to hear? I, I got five on it. You never heard this song? No, I don't think so. Oh, my God. Yep, living under a rock, I guess. Listen, if you own a bar, here's a good skill. I don't own a bar, so I don't need this skill. I would like to own a bar maybe someday again. Uh, if you own a bar what, and you're... And you, and you're controlling the music, and you're also talking to the guests when they come in. So what you need to do is get, like, a couple of songs from every city and state around the country so that when someone comes in from there, you can bust out, like, whatever, like, the local thing is. So when I know someone is, like, from, like, San Francisco 
or like, you know, someone comes in from like San Francisco or Oakland or Sacramento, like you can play music from there and mm-hmm. it always gets them in the mood. And then when they're in the mood, then it makes the person next to them who's probably from like Long Island or Jersey, right? Like, like they get in a better mood because all of a sudden you made this California person. You're like, oh, I used to listen to that when I was a kid. You know, you bust out like the E-40 or like uh, Mac Dre. You got to ha- listen to some California stuff, John. Okay. You can't just listen to your East Coast. can't keep your head up your behind and only listen to East Coast stuff. Jack, am I right about this or no? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We need a West Coast hip-hop education. But not just that, like, 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 is Southern, <laughs> like, you know, you got to have some stuff, like, from, like, Texas, you got to have some stuff from, like, freaking, like, Atlanta, Florida, you know what I mean? Sure, yeah. Yeah. Some Detroit stuff. Yep. No matter where someone comes from, if you can play music that was, like, from where they were when they were, like, a kid, that they enjoy it. I'm just saying that they enjoy it. You don't have to do it. Uh, from Jam, I got five on it. What'd you say, Jack? It's nice. It's a nice thing to do. Yeah. Uh, it's not just nice. It's good for business. It's good for business. True. Yeah. Uh, Dave Chang uh, on May 5th in his podcast uh, around the minute 15, 30 seconds says that we, meaning anyone, I guess, can't make good pizza at home and can't make it as good as pros could, so we should quit. Also, Chris Ying repeatedly derides gadget cooking uh, in semi-scare quotes. Can you have single quotes of scare quotes or do you need to have double quotes if they're supposed to be scary? I think single works. Single is scary? Yeah, I think so. I don't know. I'm not afraid of a single quote. Got to give me two quotes to get me afraid. Um, Tough guy. Do I have a response? Uh, Well, look, I I think, first of all, in their podcast, like, they have to be somewhat incendiary. Like, that's kind of like, that's their MO, right? To be a little bit incendiary. Nastasia 100% agrees with them. Nastasia's like, why do anything when professionals are doing it? And, and, you know... (laughs) What I think is there's a, there's, a, there's a couple of things. Is it true that the odds that you will make a pizza, there's a very good odds that you can make pizza better than someone who does it their whole life who doesn't care? Very good odds. Because if they don't care, they're just never going to get good at it, right? Like, uh, you know, like, in, in, like, like lunch cafeteria pizza is never going to get good. Someone can make it their whole life and it's never going to get good because they don't care. I'm not saying that's a bad thing to say, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, dollar slice pizza is never going to get above dollar slice pizza because the goal, their goal in life isn't to make the world's greatest pizza. It's to make dollar slices, and yeah. they're very good at it, and I have a fond spot in my heart yeah. for the 6th Avenue, yeah, West 4th Street, yeah, yeah. dollar slice, right? Uh, and just the fact that they can crank it so hard. That's like the two-for-a-dollar hot dog joints. that they. I mean, they're not two-for-a-dollar anymore, but yeah. man— he used to walk in and just dog after dog after dog. I mean, there's a certain kind of like zen craziness about just the number of hot dogs that came out of those places, just like infinity of hot dogs. I used to have these dreams where I would walk in, you know, I'm in grad school, and so like my standard lunch was five dogs, 250, <coughs> right? So I'm like, you know, <laughs> cheapest. I'm like, five dogs, 250. They're like, fine. And that's, you know, if I had the 50 cents. Otherwise, it's four dogs for two bucks, right? <laughs> but I used to have this dream that I would throw a party, and I've never done it. Where I would walk in with like a crisp, crisp hundo and just be like, uh, Benjamin, and hand it to them and be like, give me 200 dogs right now. But you know what? They could have cranked it. They could have just, they wouldn't have even blinked. That's oh, they would have so, probably hated you. No, they wouldn't have blinked. They just yeah. would have cranked out 100 dogs. Yeah. Then 200. I, 200. 200. 200. 200. <laughs> hand them 100 dollars. They hand you 200 dogs. Amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, probably like, terrible for the environment, but. You know what I mean? Like, like someone has to lose. If I can walk in 
and have such a huge win where I hand someone $100 and they very quickly create, wrap, bag, and hand me 200 hot dogs for that, something's wrong with the world. Somebody's getting hosed badly. Someone is losing a big time. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And maybe it's all of us in the long run, but... Anyway, yeah. it, has, it has to be figured out. It has to be figured out. Um, but what I think is this. They're, they're, you're not going to get better than someone who cares as much as you do but does it constantly, right? Because they have the opportunity to get better than you can because they're doing it all the time and they care as much as you do, right? That, I'm stipulating that they care as much as you do. They also have the money to get the good equipment. Uh, I think it's fundamentally incorrect they bring up croissant as a thing specifically in that episode that you shouldn't try to do and i made a croissant once or twice and you know what they were fine they're fine were they the best croissant not by a mile but i'm happy i did it because i have an appreciation for making croissant now it's not about whether or not i can do it as good as the world's greatest croissant maker it's about as a craftsperson in general, I want to understand what it's like to make something. Yeah. And so I do it. But do I do it all the time? No. Right? Yeah. Um, things like pizza, like I, I also think that, you know, um, and they talked about it a little bit on the, on the episode. Uh, a lot of people who make pizza, they, they, they build their recipes at home around the limitations of an oven, right? So you load up with, a, with a, a steel and whatnot, and you're, you're overcoming the fact that your oven doesn't have as much power as a commercial oven does, and it can't get as hot. And you could probably crank one good pizza out of a home oven that way. The problem is you can't repeatedly do it like you can uh, in, in a restaurant, and you have to change the dough. So what a lot of like, people who write for home people do— uh, which like I'm doing some now with my current book, is you modify the recipes to try to get a result that's good with the equipment you know the people have. And so there's honor in that, right? Um, and you enjoy doing it, so just do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And as for gadgets, I love a gadget. Although I'm de-gadgetizing some stuff and going more, I'm going anti-Alton Brown actually. I'm going into single-use things. Like on my, uh, my mixer now just does mixing. Right. Like I had the food processor attachment for that. And you're like, you know what? I bought a hand crank food processor like I'm buying a hand because I'm an idiot. I'm buying a hand uh, meat grinder because I'm not going to grind a thousand pounds of meat. But there's this recipe I want to make. You ready for it? I sent you the image. Oh, I never responded. Yes, yeah, I was dealing with pig stuff. But yeah, Devil, no, that is ridiculous. Devil dogs. You ready for this recipe, people? I'll give uh, I'm going to make it hopefully this weekend after my meat grinder comes. You take American cheese. I'm assuming government style block. Right? Half pound. Half pound. But I'm assuming not slices. Block. Yeah. Right? Yeah. For, yeah. Half pound of, of, of hot dogs, frankfurters, right? Now, you ready for it? You grind them together. Grind them together. Mix it with mayonnaise, mustard, and if you would like, some sweet relish. And is there any onion or whatnot in that? No, prepared mustard, right. egg, salt, egg, mayo. Egg, egg, egg. That was the thing I forgot. So you bind it together with egg, right? Pickle relish. Yeah. yeah. Pickle relish, mayonnaise. So mayonnaise is the fat other than the hot dog and the cheese. And then you you spread that into hot dog buns. Joe, you ready for this? You wrap them in aluminum foil and you bake those suckers. So they're like baked. And then they come out in the aluminum foil. I have to say I'm going to crush these things. <laughs> oh, that I'm, sounds great. I'm just going to crush these suckers. You know what oh. I mean? They're going to come out of the oven yeah. all soft and melty. And I'm just going to rip through that. <laughs> I bought... A number 10 hand meat grinder, specifically, Joe, to do this recipe. Where did you find this recipe? So uh, my cousin Brady's grandma 
like would put all of her recipes in old school file cards. And so it's like, it's like 40 or 50 or years of file cards. And I was just going through them and I was like, devil dogs. (laughs) That's not the kind of devil dog I'm used to, but I'm for it. I'm definitely for it. (laughs) I'm going to cook the hell out of those things. Yeah. You know, I love it. Yeah. They're going to be delicious. And it calls for a grinder. Yeah. I mean, how do you think she did it? Did she have a meat grinder? I got to ask Brady. Anyway, uh, I'll let you guys know. Uh, Colton Johnson wrote in, hey, everyone, I recently bought a Ninja Creamy. Is it really called a Creamy? They're fake Paco Jets called a Creamy. That's gross. Creamy. It is, yeah. Ninja Creamy. Yeah. I don't like that. Do you like that name? No, not really. How about just like the Ninja Ice Cream Maker? Yeah. I don't know. Joe, where where are you with Creamy? I'm indifferent about it. Creamy's Creamy. Um, What's well, creamy know, with an eye? I just don't like the name Ninja. So I mean, this like you can put like anything in front of creamy, it'd be all right. I also d- dislike the name Ninja. Have you seen the movie Dead Sushi? No, no. Yeah, yeah. it's by well, the same director no. who did Machine Girl. Have you seen Machine Girl? Do you like bad no. like splatterfest like Japanese weird movies? I don't mind it. Like like yeah. Tatsumo's Iron Man and stuff like that. Yeah, but. But more recent. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Um, okay. I uh, recently bought the uh, Creamy, and I absolutely love it. I have not used it. I've only used uh, the Italian fake Paco Jet and Paco Jets. I still have not. Because the thing is, is that it's hard for me to, like, I literally, like, anytime a new piece of kitchen equipment shows up in my house, and by the way, I'm having another piece. Someone asked me on the Twitter about this microwave pressure cooker. Kuhn Recon makes a microwave pressure cooker. It only gets up to, I think, 8.5 PSI because of the temperature limits of the resin because it's mm-hmm. resin-based, not metal, okay. right? And you throw it in the microwave, and it got some bad reviews because people don't understand how microwaves and, and pressure cookers work. So they're like, my microwave has more than 900 watts. Like Kuhn Recon was basically just saying that you can't put, dump more than 900 watts into it because you're going to evaporate too much water, right? right? And you'll, you'll ruin it. So you have to, once it comes up to pressure, you have to turn it down, right? But it got, so I, they must be discontinuing it because you can go on Kuhn Recon's site right now and buy them for $30 a piece. Anyway. Damn. Uh, I've mainly been playing around with sorbets and dairy-free ice cream options, but wanted to try a more traditional ice cream base with egg in it. What is Dave's basic ice cream uh, recipe base? Okay, mine is not very good. It's extremely rich, John, but I make it and I still like it. Ten egg yolks, Right. 500 milk, 500 heavy cream, 170 grams of sugar, and if you're going to put vanilla in it, two scraped vanilla beans. Then I uh, I put uh, salt in it to taste. I usually just I don't measure it, right? Then uh, I cook that, vacuum bag it. I put, drop it into an 85-degree Celsius bath so the temperature immediately drops down to 82. Cook it at 82 Celsius for about 20 minutes. Pull it out. Make sure you rap-a-tap-tap that bag after it pulls out because you got to break up any weird curdy stuff that happens. That really increases the, uh, the, the niceness of that texture. And that is a good but very rich base, and you can add other stuff to it. It's probably too rich for the unglazed bases you're used to, right, John? Yes. You can also find Dave's uh, onion ice cream recipe in one of the old Patreon posts. Right. For dollar... Uh, with your shrimp problem to keep it warm, um, I just go low. If you have a steam oven, go real low. You're drying it out, like, but if you keep it down at, like, you know, uh, 40, 45, there, your shrimp should be fine. It won't get too much harder as it goes. But if you keep it in the oven in a pan, it's going to dry out and, and get overcooked. I can deal more with that uh, on the next go around. And someone asked me, Douglas asked me about, um, this like standalone hood, the air hood. I have not used it, but I am dubious that you actually get the number of hours out of cooking out of it that that they say you do. But hey, uh, I'm looking for it. 
And then is that all we got for this week? We have That's more all coming for on. This week. That's all for this week. All right, we'll be back next week with more cooking issues. Thank you.